0: I mean, clearly there's anomalies of people who can just do whatever on their own. And, and I guess that exists. But in general, I would assume most people aren't that and they mm. need to surround themselves with guidance and help. And, you know, mm. they, need, they need hard advice and hard opinions. And they need to be told that, hey, simmer down your optimism there. <laughs> like <laughs> this is, you know, this year in the clouds and yeah. think about this, 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 and this, you know, what, what's this in your financials? What's this in your deck? Or, you know, even as blunt as like, this is a bad idea, start over. And there's very few people who can do that other than, uh, let's say, supportive friends and brothers and sisters or mentors. And they're just critical.
1: Welcome. Super excited to be bringing you another amazing alumni of the Student Works Management Program. His name is Frank Gardner. And Frank um, is a real entrepreneur. Um, He has been involved in a number of uh, really, really neat businesses. Um, He started a trigger tech business, which uh, created the um, world's best trigger technology for guns and crossbows. Uh, He was in a high-end boat uh, business, and recently he is starting a new company, which is the only Canadian hand-built carbon fiber bike frame manufacturer made in Canada. So, carbon fiber bike manufacturer made in Canada, and uh, um, this this conversation is like real. You know, we talk about, you know, challenges around partnerships, challenges around deals, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the the nuts and bolts of entrepreneurship. A lot of entrepreneurs don't want to come on my program when their things aren't just crystal clear, rocking out of the ballpark. Okay. And I really appreciate Frank, you know, understanding again, and you can just tell he's just got this level of maturity, understanding, you know, it's just about input and strategy over, over the long haul. I'm going to be successful. He has been successful. And, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just keeps, keeps on doing the hard work to create value for his customers, create value for his investors and his stakeholders. So, you know what I'm up to is looking for amazing young entrepreneurs like uh, like Frank. So if you know of any am- an amazing young entrepreneurs who want to get involved in an incredible program that is really going to grow them out of their comfort zone, teach them habits, mindsets, ways of thinking, skill sets that are going to empower them for the future, send them my way. Studentworks.com. They can send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca or go to leaderspodcast.ca. Slash apply. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. Frank, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow. Thanks for having me, Chris. Great to see you again. Yeah, I know it's awesome to be seen and it's awesome to be doing this. And I I know we got a chance to connect over the summer a couple times in sort of planning and preparing and getting reconnected to, to do this pod. It's really one of the best things I love about the podcast is I get to reconnect with my alumni find out what they're doing, find out, you know, all the cool things they're creating. But let's jump to before you were in the program. Tell us, you know, who who, who Frank was. Yeah, that's a that's a
0: good question. I got to go pretty far back for that one. Um, yeah. I guess for context, I think I was the 2004, 2005 uh, seasons there, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So prior to that, I mean, in, in high school, I was just uh, like a lot of other young kids just kind of getting along and not really knowing what's what. And uh, I would say more so than my other friends, I I was more confused, but I kept doing things. I didn't have a a goal really, to be honest with you, other than knowing that I wanted to do stuff. Yeah. I just didn't know what that stuff was. Mm -hmm. And so going into university, I was undeclared, always organizing people and organizing events and, and, and putting, you know, putting like together projects and everything. But again, it was pretty scattered. And that's when, uh, I started working with student works painting. Actually, I started as a painter right? and it really helped me kind of bring things together, helped me organize myself a lot more. So when I graduated from a painter to, to, to being, a, an actual operator.
1: An operator.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that just helped me really kind of understand the fundaments of, of business, which I never really had an experience of. I wasn't taking business in school and, and, uh, so it was a great education for me to be getting kind of an arts education at school and then, and then jump into the program with a uh, with more full-fledged, hey, this is how you operate. Uh, so that was, I mean, maybe I'm
1: jumping into the student works experience a too quickly there. but No, not, not at all. And, and it's, it's perfect. And, and it's funny, I, I know you and I are both, you know, related in the same way around, we both sort of, you know, I took history and we, you know, again, an arts education and then all of a sudden sort of discovering you know oh wow this business thing really interests me and and oh. a lot of the things that i'm really fascinated by this and and you know i guess for me there really were were no like business back when i was in school was accounting and i knew yeah. i w- was it wasn't strong enough in math and there's no way i was going to do all that detailed work i knew myself well enough to know that that wasn't me but and so then I went, I went into history, which I would excel at. And I had an idea that business and, you know, that, that made more sense for me, but, but, you know, finding again, student works, student works made a huge difference for me as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting too. I mean, I, I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, upon reflection, getting deep into the arts while also pursuing business on the side, it, it creates a very dynamic person. And, and, you know, most of life and obviously business is based on relationships and relationships are based on communicating. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, if you di- di- dive deep into the arts, you've got a lot to talk about, a lot of context, a lot of relationships that you can create throughout history, for example, with yourself or philosophy yeah. or, or anything. And and the nice thing is you're coming out there knowing how to write and how to express yourself in, uh, in an articulate way. So I think
1: that's a huge, yeah. huge bonus. Well, thanks for that, Frank. You know, just, it's funny, I I tend to run around thinking about what I'm missing that, you know, like that's how I default, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I wish I'd had this. And, and I see what I'm missing. And it's really great that my, my partner and our CEO, uh, Helen Thompson's come in and she's just really, really provided all that I was missing. And our business has just grown and grown and grown. Yeah. And you're right, right. Is that, yeah, that, that context that you get from history that, you know, concepts that you're able to draw out and my interest in things yeah. is really really serves me as a coach you know and 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 again i have a vast knowledge of many many things you yeah. know sort of my yeah. generalist knowledge right yeah. and that i think an arts education helps that with that doesn't it totally uh, yeah it's critical i mean we're we're
0: people and we're all connected and and we share a history with mm-hmm. what what came before us so to neglect that or to neglect the uh, you know the deeper education there, I think is uh, let's I would say in general, less fulfilling, i would I would assume, but but obviously, yeah. every, everyone's doing what they're doing. and
1: yeah, yeah, not. One thing I've been doing, Frank, is I've been doing this podcast tour. people have been inviting me on their podcasts. And one of the things that actually is coming up is just how we take a very conscious space of capitalism. You know, we really care about our our staff our operators and their long-term success, our customers, our community, how we're contributing, like the whole piece, right? The whole circle. And, you know, you're right. It's, it's, you know, through business school, a lot of times, you know, Milton Friedman, profit, profit, profit. That's all that matters, right? (laughs) And it's and it's like, well, you know, I don't think so. You know, and and again, having that context to sort of see, it's, it's broader than that. It's great. And of course, profit really matters. You know, Absolutely. so so it's 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 kind of interesting how that's that's sort of coming up in those outside podcasts.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, I was just reviewing your website there, and and I think all of the top performers are taking an arts program.
1: Oh wow! I think, don't quote me on okay. that. Okay, but yeah, least, no, uh, no, because because typically we find it's about fifty-fifty. Yeah. So that's typically, but there's no question. I know our all-time record holder, uh, Amir. Our Ammer um did five hundred thousand dollars last year, and is a philosophy. Uh, you know, oh, you know, shout out to Frank. You know, so <laughs> philosophy uh, interest and and uh, so so again, you're right. It's it's getting that whole piece, and and again, understanding our customers, understanding our teams. You know, it's such an advantage. Yep. So, what do you still rely on from the program, Frank?
0: I would say. For the most part, it's the fundamentals. I mean, again, I I didn't get those in in class. So I got those really starting with operating a a student works franchise. And a lot of it is just the basics of, hey, if you want something, you got to work for it. And the very, very simple equation of if you do, you're going to make. And, and, you know, getting out there and, and not being scared and knocking on doors and, you know, basically Telling yourself that it's their loss if they don't get your work, and you yes. know, rather rather than you thinking you're infiltrating, and you know, I don't know how it works now with 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 yeah. with, uh, with knocking
1: on doors, but back then it was it was just what we did, and I, I assume yeah. it's the same thing. And it's still just such a monstrously successful way to start. And still, if you look at successful businesses, how do you reach out? You know, yes, we do as much to have people draw us in and social media and websites and things, but ultimately. If we aren't in action, we will get the results that show that we're not in action. So the more action steps we take, the more power we have. And, you know, I I was talking to a a, a networker, a leading networker, and he was he was sharing how, you know, it's 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 again, it's how can we give a 30 second pitch, 15 second pitch? So it's when we learn how to canvas. It's like, Oh, we can do this. Like I remember, I remember um, one of my really great friends, you know, she was one of the recognized as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in Canada for a number of years in a row. She just goes, Chris, it's just amazing how you, you know, just work a room and go into conversations and leave them and move and talk to other people. It's just like, I'm fascinated how you can do that. How do you do that? Well, when you canvas for years, it's really easy you exactly, know and you yeah. just you just you know oh hey oh let's let's, let's talk what's going on yeah, you yeah, know yeah, totally. so, yeah and not getting stuck in your head you know yeah. cuz i think that's what happens and like you were saying thinking i'm infiltrating thinking i'm getting in the way thinking i didn't say the right thing yeah, you know yeah, instead of exactly. hey, just being in the conversation
0: so totally. yeah. yeah yeah and i i mean you know networking a room is probably a different skill set than kind of networking individually too and so i, I, I don't Definitely wouldn't pride myself on being a great room networker, but uh, right. the one on one stuff is uh has definitely been uh, definitely improved based on uh the student work experience and just really just putting yourself out there yes exactly, yeah, and I think I told you in our last call i my first time getting out there, I was really eager, I think it was early March coming home from university and uh yeah, it was there's snow on the ground and and yeah. you know just going around trying to sell paint painting jobs and and uh while it was snowing so it was a a unique experience there and and you know you're leaving your friends who are there and partying and having their weekend and you're you're, you know you're going and you're sacrificing and and at first you don't really see the results of those that time spent away from what you're kind of doing but then all of a sudden as it gets closer to summer you realize that uh
1: that you're you know you're rolling because of that that early work yeah yeah and it's the skill development as well as the client attainment. Huge, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's both. It's both. So
0: and fine tuning your pitch, right? I mean, you, you yes. At first, you kind of suck. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah, and, and just to kind of pay attention to how the customer responds, how you respond, how how are you more confident with what you're saying as well? I mean, sometimes a pitch will hit, and your confidence will will increase, and then the customers also sees that and. And, and, you know, it ends up going better there. So just paying attention to, to what works and what doesn't and kind of constantly
1: improving and fine tuning things. And I think as well, it's, it's, I think people who do really well in the world also get lost in the work. I know earlier you were saying you're, you're a cyclist and you're going to be, you know, you you cycle a bunch. And, and so it's kind of, if you go and do work, it's like just getting lost in it. If you're really thinking about cycling, you know, it it could be painful. You know, I, I was on the Peloton this morning but it's, it's just, no, just get lost in it. That's, yeah. that's how we do best. And, and then of course, there's also, there's getting lost in the work and then watching the work and yeah. how do we get better and, and just being a person, just totally trying to work on mastery. Yeah. And seeing the end.
0: I mean, if it is painful and you're not in it, but you still want that end result of, of, you know, whatever, being stronger than your friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to do it and you got to say okay this is painful but just just for now you know this too shall pass type stuff so
1: yeah so you you know you you graduated from western and then you chose philosophy so why did you go and do a master's in philosophy at queens and what did you but, get out of it
0: yeah i guess after at the tail end of my student works experience i was kind of done it was just kind of at the, I i i learned in my mind what i wanted to learn and i got what i wanted out of it Mm-hmm. I was also a, a track I was a varsity track and field athlete then, so it just felt all a bit overwhelming to keep my training going and, and, and kind of keep the pace of the business going and right it kind of micro burned me out for that that age you know what I mean just right. kinda, and so i I just stopped really thinking about business and at the same time started taking some philosophy courses It just got got swept away with the analytical side, uh, which I think I always had and it was just entertaining to exercise it and that kind of swept me away in the academic world, uh, for a bit. And, and I took a, a I guess to call it a victory lap, but just to, again, I was going through school really with no focus until the last couple of years. So I had to kind of get my grades up and get, get the right courses. Right. And then got, uh, yeah, got accepted to Queens for a master's of philosophy program, which was great. I, I mean, it was kind of a hope and a prayer just to get there. I mean, it was, I was a bit of a, not the typical candidate, I guess. I mean, I kind of mm. put, pulled it all together last minute. Right. And yeah, and then I, I got there, which was, a, which was an interesting experience. And halfway through that, I realized that I didn't really want to be in academia at all. Like it would just kind of right. started to annoy me, and it was like too much in my head and like, too much, you know, discussions about topics that didn't make anything. You know what I mean? I, right. I, don't, I just wasn't in- interested in creating papers anymore, you know. Or, right. Or, or just the idea world wasn't, I mean, it was, it was always interesting to me, but it just wasn't interesting to me as a, as a profession.
1: Right. Right. So
0: I ended up leaving the city, like Kingston or Queens early, not, not the program and just, just got a job in Toronto and, and finished up my thesis in, in Toronto just to kind of speed things up into my professional life there uh, rather than uh, stick with academia.
1: Right. And that's a, that's actually a great thing. Meaning ultimately We don't always know what we want. And so it's like, oh, you went with the best possible information you had at the time. Let's go study philosophy at a great school of Queens, right? And then let's go do this. And then once you determined, this isn't really my thing, you know, you made a good call to sort of say, well, I don't need to stay here to fully commit to this. I can get my master's complete. Yeah. And be working on you know now, obviously, if it was something where this is what you wanted, you would have never done that, no. right you would have just stayed there but but there's something to in leaving it with no regret, yeah yeah, right like not oh, I wasted two and a half year or a year and a half of my life or silly stuff like that, right It's like yeah. no, so what in your mind did you get out of that experience and that learning that's a good question i I would say in large
0: part it it changed. Or maybe not change but refine the way that I think about things. Mm-hmm. I always had an analytical mind and this allowed me to have structure to it. Right. Which was nice. And, you know, going through that, just anecdotal story here, going through that. I mean, I, I would meet with a lot of older professionals and you know that was the time and perhaps it's still the case where people would look down on the arts because they're like, Oh, how's that gonna make you money? Yeah and that always annoyed me. I mean, I was always frustrated by that. I was like, you know, how, how are you putting me in in this box? Like, what do you, what do you know about type stuff? Right. I'm going to go do it anyway. So screw you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, I realized at the end of it, that it was actually excellent, at least for me, uh, from a business perspective, because, you know, philosophy fundamentally teaches you how to break things down and build things up again. Right. And, that's, in my mind, what a lot of entrepreneurialism or or entrepreneurialism, whatever the case may be, is. You have to yes. see what the problem is, analyze it, break it down to its fundamental principles, and then build up a better solution and or a new solution. yeah, and you kind of have to do that constantly. I mean, obviously that 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 can be at the very outset of the company, but I mean, as you know, there's no shortage of challenges along the way to make sure that that actually can happen or or doesn't happen and you have to change. I mean, it's a constant analysis and analytical process that you have to go through and and
1: philosophy was just, was, was, was great with that. I'm glad you shared that. And I think you're so right in business. I think one of the things that, you know, you hear a lot of is, Working in your business versus working on your business yeah. and really needing to make sure that, you know, again, when people start a business, they work on their business to get it started. Then all of a sudden clients come and relationships come and staff and, you know, customers and, and cash flow and banking and legals. And, and all of a sudden it's like, no one's working on the business. Yeah. So yeah. what are we doing to fundamentally improve our business every year? And certainly we spend an enormous amount of our time working on the business and just what are the next steps? How can we just be better next year, not just as people, but as as an organization? And and so so you're right, breaking that down and and really looking at what's not working. You know, when anything flags, where it's always, oh, okay, hold on. Something happened here. Now, you know, what happened? Why? What can we do? And again, a lot of times people don't like to talk about it, I think, because they find it blameworthy. They want to blame someone. They want to blame the customer. They want to blame, oh, Maggie, she's responsible for this, or yeah, David. um, yeah. oh, look at the that. Scapegoats, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Instead of no, what didn't work in the process? How do yeah. we set up a new structure? How so do we improve? Really yeah. yeah, how do we improve? So you went to Emotive as a business development manager. So why don't you why don't you tell our leaders, you know, what happened there and what did you learn and, and etc. So I
0: guess right before that, right after my master's, I actually went into the creative industry so i, I wanted to film uh, documentary films actually i just figured it was okay. a good yeah a good transition based on the fact that you know my skill set other than student works was was uh, researching and writing so uh, you know I, I got into the creative world doing that and we made awesome uh, programs for national geographic and discovery channel and uh, got to travel with them and uh, i mean it was it was great and it was also a nice soft way to build on my uh, desk professionalism, I guess. Uh, you know, right. I never sat at a desk before in an office, and and so it was great to learn how to get along in those in those environments and how to develop my organizational skills, and which is which is huge, right? I mean, in in my mind, I take all of those experiences as essential to who you become along along the way. Yes. And I mean, they're they're critical, and not to be too long winded here, but I remember reading. I forget what book it was, but it was some business book about the power of taking notes. And you know, a lot of people are, feel timid that they're the ones taking notes. And you know, I was a note taker for a long time and and I loved it because at the end you're the one that has all the information. I mean, if they don't know what happened, you do. And you know, yeah. you've got you've got all the intel right there. So
1: I got the notes. I got yeah. the notes. Yeah, yeah, Jim Rohn Jim Rohn. And it's funny when you talk about note taking. I always, you know, I I can't help think about your mentor or your district manager, Corey McKinnon. Oh, yeah. there's a really great note note taker, you know, and and so that's a really, again, really great habit to have, right? Yeah, a absolutely. You you know, you know, process. What can we move forward with? So yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and just working on your communications, which is just just a,
0: a lifetime process, obviously. But I quickly grew in there, so I, I think I was there for two and a half or three years, and did the research and writing. Went to production, went to post-production, and and kind of did the full suite, really, of what it takes to to make a documentary. And I didn't like how, one, how quickly I got to a point where I could understand the whole process, and, and two, what I was getting paid. And uh, I didn't like the ceiling or, or how long it would take to get to a taller ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to, to do my own thing fundamentally before I turned 30. Right. That was my general goal, and I just didn't see it happening in, in the creative space. So I wanted to get back to business and I didn't want to go back to school. So my, you know, my thoughts there were to try to hunt down a, a, an early company that had some funding so they could pay me at least something right, and get a, you know, get a business education from the ground up. Right. And it took quite some time to find that eventually did with, with InMotive and found just a, a great company, great technology, an awesome leader. Uh, his name's Paul Botero from InMotive uh, who became my mentor and, and, you know, we still meet on a regular and everything. And, and it was just fantastic. So he took me to everything really just took me under his wing, taught me how to build a pitch deck, taught me how to do an elevator pitch. And, you know, we were incubated at Mars at the time too. So he would bring me at all those meetings with the Mars advisors in Toronto there. And, and, uh, it was just an excellent, very, very fast curated learning curve. Let's call it. Yeah. And that was just essential uh to me and and later in that stage, i mean it, because it was a pre revenue company and really we were just uh, kind of raising money and, and product and doing product development near the end, I transferred over to managing the the technical team mm-hmm. which again at the time i didn't I wasn't too fond of because we went from you know an office in in Mars to a skunk works machine shop in, in Etobicoke with the blinds drawn and a weird lock on the front door and you'd go in and there's a big lathe sitting there and you could just smell all the machine oil and the scraps everywhere. And I don't know if you've worked with skunkworks engineers before, but they're not exactly the cleanest people. And, uh, so it was just, you know, to me, it felt like a bit of a downgrade to where I wanted to head, but the lessons that I got from product development and product life cycles and working with engineers, you know, there's about a team, a team of 10 engineers at the time, I think at that point. Right. And, you know, I was kind of holding the pace and keeping the pace going. And, and it was really one of the more enjoyable aspects, actually, of, of, of my experience there. And I uh, ended up meeting uh, my 2B uh, co-founder for TriggerTech uh, there as well. So he was the so chief
1: engineer of that company. And before we jump there... So Mars, just so just so our young leaders know, is one of the chief incubators, one of the most successful incubators in Canada. You know, down in the center of Toronto or Midtown, whatever you know, around college and uh, just just uh, entrepreneurial uh, building ground. Okay, just so everyone knows what Mars is, and talk about mentorship and how important mentorship is. So yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's absolutely critical. I mean clearly there's anomalies of people who can just do whatever on their own and, and I guess that exists, but in general I would assume most people aren't that and they mm-hmm. need to surround themselves with guidance and help and you know mm-hmm. they need they need hard advice and hard opinions and and they need to be told that, hey, simmer down your optimism there. <laughs> like this is you know this year in the clouds and yeah. think about this 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 and this you know what what's this in your financials what's this in your deck or you know even as blunt as like this is a bad idea start over yeah, yeah. and there's very few people who can do that other than uh, let's say supportive friends and brothers and sisters or mentors and uh, they're just
1: critical yeah no it's it's really great I um Jim Collins uh, he, so you know our leaders. Read his books. He's one yeah. of the most important thought leaders, you know, in business in the world and uh, for the last couple of decades. And his intention is to to keep going. And he talks about who luck and just how important who luck is, you know, who yeah. we bump into, who then, you know, can help mentor and you know, and certainly I bumped into a lot of it and have been very, very blessed in my life. So trigger tech. Why don't not you talk about, you know, what happened there and and making making progress at Trigger Tech? Yeah, so at, at in Motive, I
0: met the uh, engineer who invented the product that we ended up releasing. Mm-hmm. We basically, I guess, at the time, we uh, were chatting about it during lunches and whatnot, and and I took what was at the time, I believe, a a rough patent it wasn't a, wasn't applied for yet; it was just being written up and read every you know read everything about it and did some market research and started realizing like hey there's you know there's something here i think i was 29 at the time so you know i was pretty eager to get my own business off the ground or at least start one before i hit 30 that was again my my general goal there and i just to be honest with you i didn't other than basic research and stuff i didn't do much analysis other than just taking a jump and i just went for it so i i Left my spot within Motive and and you know started Trigger Tech up in my basement really and mm-hmm. uh, would do you know got the got the name down got the, the logos down got you know initial customers just calling them cold calling them and talking yep. to them about what we had and I guess I should say what it was so it it we invented a a new trigger system for crossbows and firearms and it was very very novel still is so you know we ended up getting a patent for it but it essentially put a roller uh, in between the two the the two pieces of a trigger so instead of sliding friction is rolling friction so it was a huge huge improvement had never been done before and for some reason there's two guys in, in, in canada who brought it to market uh, right. but yeah uh, back to the beginning there so yeah so i i was in my basement. And then after my partner was done work, I'd go and visit him and we would do assembly in his basement. So we would right. do product testing and assembly. And in relatively short order, uh, we got some good manufacturers from, from China to make the parts and they would ship them over. And I think, you know, we got 100 units to start. You know, basically it seems like nothing at this point, but at the time it, it was, felt like everything. Right. Uh, and you know, assembled them all, test them all, uh, shipped them to some blog, you know, some some big influencers. And again, this is still all from my basement here. And funny enough, I still have a piece of furniture that I that I broke assembling triggers in my house. So it's right. that's just uh, anyway. You have uh, reminders of your of your projects along the way. But yeah, so those hundred units went really quickly, and and the responses were we were huge and hugely positive and we got some great dealers at the outset and, and, you know, in relatively short order for a startup, we, you know, we were doing uh, some decent volume and mm-hmm. we moved from my basement to another basement that we rented out. And I think there was just two of us at the time. Uh, and then we got more and more traction and then finally raised some money. So my, my, the chief tech guy could actually come and work full time with us. Right. And uh, My co, my co-founder at the time yeah and then at that point in time we were able to grow even more so we grew to the top floor of that same house which i believe actually was like a taxi an old taxi dispatch house and built our assembly stations you know we were learning all all of us as we went and none of us right had that. but you know just start building your assembly stations start tracking the efficiency of everything you know yeah i got to build one more assembly thing then all of a sudden you got to hire one more person and then I, you know at right. that time we had uh, the, yeah yeah the basement, the top floor, and then we rented out the garage that was next to us to build our own machine shop in there. Uh, we had i think ten people all in like a must have been fifteen hundred square feet or something with okay. one one washroom right, so it was uh it, it got pretty tight so we we ended up moving from there to uh, out to mississauga and it was about a ten thousand square foot facility there with wow. a proper machine shop that we could build out and loading docks and you know, shipping and receiving, a full assembly area, a boardroom, and you know, it was a it was a it was a big upgrade. Right. So that was uh that was interesting.
1: So it was really, really moving. And and just so our leaders know, just in terms of the product, so basically this was a trigger for for bows and guns that made improved accuracy. Is that is that really what it was? Uh yeah, 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 accuracy, feel.
0: But yeah, largely accuracy. Mm-hmm. But it but a lot of it would be feel, too. Uh, there's something in triggers that's called creep. So the people who are shooting seriously, they pull their trigger in a, in a particular way. And, and uh, I didn't know any of this when I started, by the way. I did. I'm not, yeah. a shooter. Not, a, not a shooter myself. And the trigger actually moves before, before it goes off. Wow. So that creates a lot of problems for, for shooters. And people go in there and they kind of modify their own triggers, which is dangerous, and try to get that creep away. Whereas our product had zero creep, so we what a huge advantage. Huge, yeah, yeah. So we call yeah zero creep triggers or, or frictionless triggers, or but uh, no, it was it was it was big, and 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 they're still doing incredibly well. So
1: okay, okay, great. And so, what happened, and in, uh, in terms of uh, you know, sort of moving on from there.
0: Yeah, so I I grew the company basically from zero to knowing that it was gonna do something. Mm-hmm. which was a fantastic experience, and I still love doing that today. I mean, it's one of my skill sets is just to kind of kind of get the idea off the ground and get the products going and, and create create a good foundation for, for success in that way, I would say. Obviously, you never know. Stuff happens. For sure. But, uh, yeah, so I got it to that point. So, so by the time I left, I think we had about 15 employees. I'm not quite sure. It was a while ago now. So that was 2016. Yeah, and just had had you know fantastic volumes. Uh, you know, again, we started getting excited when we were doing fifty to a hundred units a week. Uh, you know, when I left, I think we were doing a thousand or fifteen hundred a week. Wow, which is a, an interesting lesson on volume. Uh, you know, when a lot of people get into volume businesses, it's like, oh, I mean, you got to have it tight, right? You got to no kidding. Like one, if you get one thing wrong, and you got to do that a thousand times over, you know, it's it's hard to understand how long that can take. Uh, so a lot of all nighters there, but anyways, getting off track there. So we uh, basically, I would say I uh, probably held on a little too tight, you know, considering I thought it was my baby at the time and, and uh, was just driving, driving, driving. And, 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 all, I would say almost completely ignoring my partners and employees and just okay. fundamentally worried about uh, growth uh, of okay. the company. Uh, which I did well. The company was growing. I just didn't, at the time, was way too, you know, have the blinders on. Okay. And uh, yes, yeah, so I think at that time it was just time for me to, to to leave. I did what I had to do for the company, and and everyone agreed, along uh, with myself, that it was uh, just time for me to, to to move on at that point.
1: Right. And there was a a decent, you know, financial uh, situation to move on and 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 move forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it was a good, it was a nice, eventually a good, a good result and, uh, and super, super happy about what I built there. And, and, uh, you know, they've taken it on and they've done an exceptional with it. So.
1: Right. Right. You know, lessons looking back, like, you know, what do you learn from that, making you even more successful moving forward, you know, in your development? And again, I already, I love what you've said is again, you know, who we become, you know, just sort of, again, growing and developing.
0: Yeah. I mean, at least I feel as though I, I, I'm an honest person. It's just, and, and, and in my mind, you got to really, really make sure, and it's hard to do. It's very, very hard to do that. The people who you're working with are also uh, honest and, and everything is out there and and talked about freely and, and the problems are discussed before they become problems. And it's very hard to do at an early stage. Uh, it, there's so much to think about and uh, you know, even for me at that time with Trigger Tech, I, I was doing, I was running the whole business. So it was just me. Everyone else was a technical right. person, right? So it's just there's a lot on your plate, a lot of pressure, and it's very, very hard to. I guess this goes back to the importance of a mentor, and uh, you know, you right. you need somebody that helps you to uh, pull you out of the weeds and and you yes. know make make sure that you're actually looking at what matters, and a big portion of what matters is is you know your health, and and you know it's not just uh, growing the business because if you're growing the business at the detriment to yourself then uh, that doesn't really help anybody uh, it doesn't help yeah. the business and it doesn't help you and and so good partners good mentors those are like you should be surrounding yourself with people that that care about that and pull you out and and care you know see your value and and, and care the you'll know, care that that continues forward basically which is right. hard to do very hard to do it and mean, no one has a crystal ball and, and and you know everyone at the outset of of, of a of a new company venture, yeah new venture thank you is what i call mostly toxically optimistic yes and they're just running forward and everyone's happy and they're slapping hands and not having any clue what's actually going to happen and of course sometimes that works out fantastically and other times it still works out fantastically but not without you know five years at minimum of just just suffer. And, and you got to, you got to, you know, you got to make sure that you're with the right people, uh, you know,
1: as they say in the trenches with the right people that get you through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think again, relationships, one of the, the, the key values in our company relationships are everything, everything, huge, and, you huge. know, work, you know, finding the right partners, working with the right partners, being able to communicate powerfully with those partners. Again, what's happening or what's not happening or what's being said or not being said, all those things are just so monstrously important in, uh, you know, not getting there. And like you said, managing your own personal health and emotional health and physical health is so powerful. Right? Yeah.
0: You can't think clearly without that. Right. So, it's- yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's really, it's really great, you know, sort of, again, having that and seeing that, and then you, you know, you move on to your next best venture. So you, 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 you moved on as the CEO of carbon Marine. So, you know, what was that like? What did you learn? What, you know, how did that go?
0: Yeah, so that was uh, again a networking thing. Uh, as soon as I left Trigger Tech, I was just immediately working on what the next opportunity would be. Right. Did I did kind of try you know try a couple little things with with a friend of mine, not too seriously in the interim, which kept me busy and my mind sharp. And, and then at the same time it was just networking like mad, just you know meeting with people as much as I can to see what the next opportunity could be, uh, and ended up meeting the owner of, of Carbon Marine at the time and, and he couldn't spend his time at it. He was at another job and on to other things and it was basically shelved, shelved at the time. So they had a uh they basically well I guess I should say what carbon marine was. So carbon marine is a, a advanced composite meaning carbon fiber luxury powerboat builder in Canada. Mm-hmm. So they were the first to develop a fully carbon fiber Powerboat, right? Which is unique. I mean, a lot of carbon fibers and anything that's performance-based. And why is it not in boats? So I mean, that was the hole that it was filling. Was saying, okay, it's in sailboats, it's in bikes, it's in F1, it's in cars, it's in every single thing that needs to go fast yes. with as little weight <laughs> as possible. Right. And uh, so why isn't it in boats? And and that's what Carbon Marine was uh, was started for. And they had at the time they had a proof of concept product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no business. So I came on board to develop the business, restructure the organization, uh, get funding in, build a manufacturing process and sell. Right. And so that was, that, that was my main goal, which uh, most all of those were achieved, I guess, throughout there. But it was a very unique experience. I went from a relatively high volume obviously not automotive volumes but for for a startup a high volume business at trigger tech where you know i'd sit down on my desk and be like how do i sell a thousand of these units today mm-hmm. to sitting down on my desk at carbon marine being like man if we sell one this year this is gonna be sweet right wow so it was a big difference uh, at that point and at first i liked it just because i was still kind of getting over the pace of trigger tech but uh you know quite quickly i was like okay i could i could use a little more sales activity here you know right right and it's just one of those things another lesson that you'll learn you just can't do everything and and you know there's specific people for specific roles and uh, uh, you know selling a half million dollar boat is a is a pretty challenging thing to to, to take on so it, uh, it was interesting i i enjoyed it you know i got a lot of travel down into florida and, and learning how a new industry works and again like trigger tech got my hands dirty like I actually learned how to how to lay up the boats myself and did, did right do the plumbing and the finishings and the high performance driving and it was a full-on experience on all levels and again right. like anything partnership right you just i definitely took lessons from trigger tech and applied them and and uh, and for the most part uh what i did worked well but uh you know you just can't predict how your partners were at the different stages of the business and uh so at that point, uh, we we uh, we all had a bit of a different perspective of where the business should go, and and uh, again, uh, time for me to leave that one. So that was about
1: after three years or so. Right. So, and then you know, can we talk about your next venture, or is that clear? Uh, what's next for you?
0: Yeah, certainly. With I guess everyone knows my experience now, so I, I had a lot of experience with offshore supply chain and then selling consumer products the sales channel and the pricing and the marketing with trigger tech uh, in the metal space uh, right. so i understand that quite well and then and then jumped into into advanced composites with carbon marine and and again got really hands-on we got trained by one of the world's experts in uh, uh from the uk he was boots right. on the ground for over a month and and so very familiar with that and my whole career i've been relatively product agnostic you know i like i said i wasn't a shooter but i loved the challenge of of creating a new and novel product right. and with carbon marine you know i'm not a, a high-speed boater by any means mm-hmm. i would rather you know get a 9.9 tin boat and go fishing with a cooler <laughs> beer or something you know well, i guess you can't do that that's illegal but uh, you know that's right <laughs> and you know so i've been product agnostic so at the end of really getting two businesses off the ground, I was like, I can't do this again and not care about the product. And as you mentioned, uh, I'm a pretty avid cyclist and I thought, Hey, like what if I made bike frames and kind of started looking into it and, and I'm really geek out on materials. I love the, the the different interactions with them and and you know, how they work together. What, you know, what, what happens if you attach this material with that, what does it feel like? What does it do? How does it last? Right you know so i'm i'm not an engineer but i i've spent a lot of time with engineers so i kind of geek out on those things right and then i obviously know how it feels to ride a bike and what the different materials feel like and and the more i looked into it i realized that there's actually as far as i know no canadian advanced composite bike maker that actually makes their product uh, here right and i thought it was just a great opportunity to get into that and which I was excited about, and still am. And then COVID hit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so they put a little bit of a pause on that. But the big plus side is uh bikes went crazy during. Bikes COVID. are
1: enormous. Yeah, yeah, so big COVID bump for bikes. Huge, huge,
0: and like a, a lot of those are the mid to low end bikes. But at the same time, there's going to be a long tail of those people upgrading, and you know, just a general interest growth there. And so as as COVID started tailing off, uh, I you know, took my lessons from the last two businesses and, you know, structured a very thorough partnership agreement with my one partner that I have, you know, thought about all the potential pitfalls and we talked about them all and yeah, very open relationship. And, and that's with, uh, uh, one of the owners of one of the more popular bike shops downtown for, for high end, uh, custom bike frames called blacksmith. And, and, uh, he's just a great guy knows the industry, like the back of his hand, a ton of connection. Right. And just recently we partnered with a company out in Quebec called Faction Studio. And, uh, they're, they have experience with all the major guys and they're just super pumped to work with some local people and, and, and help us out there and, and uh, and have a great branding agency in, in Toronto. So my whole goal really is to do everything I possibly can local, uh, right. you know, feed local mouths, feed local families and, and use, local talent to to build product i mean i think we have it all here and and uh i would just you know one i love making things i love making physical things i'm not a, not really a digital guy in that way and, and yeah i love the idea of a canadian manufacturer making the top-end product
1: locally yeah well you know you know the other thing about COVID and and this new venture for you is with the breakdown in you know uh supply chains You know, this is also brought so many more Canadians and worldwide, you know, Americans, Britons, you know, Europeans thinking, oh, let's buy locally. Like if if there is an enormous impact, like that's, our business has been just booming and and a big part of it is let's buy locally. And then on top of it, oh, let's buy locally from a student. So let's, let's buy, oh, the only Canadian bike manufacturer that again, I think is really, really well, you know, sort of set up for this, this timing so totally, yeah we can't manage timing you know for our leaders you know but but we can see it we can take advantage of it we can you know we can we can move forward with it and then also it's a messaging that the market's going to want to hear about it, for sure yeah yeah totally and we,
0: you know we we we're working with some of the top guys and uh, so far and and that's just going to grow and mm-hmm. uh, uh you know we're just in the in the i would say product development phase now and hopefully launch by summer 2021 Fantastic. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, and a lot of it is a is a challenge in methodology and and and, and manufacturing process to to make it affordable enough,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: To compete with some of the higher end Asian products.
1: Right. Exactly. Well, no, that's that's really really exciting, and and uh, you know, so as you went from you know university student to business owner, value creator, what did you need to change about yourself? Uh, man, that's a long list.
0: There's a there's certainly more than one thing on that list. That's for sure. I would say the biggest thing for me wasn't even, you know, only hindsight could could know. And I mean, it's really just throwing yourself into it and getting dragged along. And and that sounds passive, but you know, like like a lot of times you're just like, I don't know what this is. You know, like when I started Trigger Tech, I didn't even know how to price anything. I didn't even know what a sales channel was. Like. i had no no idea no idea how to how to how to price for wholesale how to price for for retail you know nothing and i would consider that getting dragged along a little little bit like obviously learning as i go but like you're kind of it's already going and you're sort of just keeping your head above water and and it's it's nerve-wracking and and i would say one of the bigger things is just experience does so much uh and you can only get that one way and that's that's yeah. jumping in and and going for it man and running like hell and and uh, fighting to to make what you want to make and, and that in my mind hopefully allows you to to grow and and see what you've done wrong uh yeah. you know the, the famous i guess i don't know if it's ray dalio or anything or i forget what it was but you know basically check your ego at the door like you you're, yeah. you're here as a sponge and and eventually you'll have skill sets and eventually you'll have things to contribute, but for the most part, you gotta, you gotta learn, 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 learn fast, maintain your curiosity and, and get to the point where you're not just drowning. Yeah. And maybe that was too long of an answer for you there. but
1: No, no, not at all. I think it's a great answer. And it's, and again, it's, it's sort of a constant theme. It's, it's, you know, as I was 20, I thought I, you know, I, I, sh- I, I, shouldn't say, I, I probably had some uh, understanding of gray, And what i don't know but as i've as i've learned more and more it's just the world expands and i go oh my gosh there's so much i don't know and as i as i get wiser and wiser the reality is i recognize i know less and less you know that's 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 my experience of the world totally and humility in my mind is a massive strength there because it generally
0: means that your mind's open to to learn and you're Mm -hmm. you're going to change you're going to adapt to what the business needs rather than you thinking you're the business and you're gonna change it and your idea. Yeah. And you, it's like, no, 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 man, this, is, work, this, this man. is outside of you and you're just along here for the ride, like pushing it along, you
1: know? <laughs> 100%. And again, Ray Dalio, who uh, wrote Principles and one of the leading investors over the last few decades. And, you know, that's that's who uh, Frank was responding, uh, commenting on and great, great book. Fabulous, Re, you man. know, s- fabulous, fabulous book, highly recommend it, you know, not an easy book. Now that's a, that's a hard read, but there's just so, so, so much Dense, yeah. valuable wisdom. You know, I think I've read it twice and I have it on audible. I'm listening to it again. You know, it's oh, yeah. just so much wisdom. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So if someone wanted to do what you do, what, what key habits would they need to steal? I think we chatted about this in our last
0: call, but in my mind, it's, Basically, mm-hmm. what we just talked about is: is be curious and open minded as quickly as possible. It's hard to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Ego is hard to check at the door, and, and you got to do that as quickly as possible. And and uh, surround yourself with the people to that disagree with you in, in, in and in a constructive manner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if that's one thing. I don't know if that's one thing. <laughs> and no, no, it was habits. It was habits. It was key habits. It wasn't yeah. that one thing. Life's not that simple. Uh, yeah. And I know if I asked you next week, you'd have a little bit of a different spin. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those are, those are key habits.
0: Yeah. If you want a word, I would say perseverance. Yeah. And uh, obviously, obviously that can go wrong. Uh, you don't want to be stubborn. Like I, perseverance yes. is very different than being stubborn. It's just, yeah. You know, things aren't going to be slip like you're slipping on a banana peel. It's a lot of times you're going to be hitting your head against the wall and, and you, you got to pers- you know persevere. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so final question, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: You know, I, I guess I'm a bit different. I mean, I, I think a really high end quality leader of tomorrow is mostly an apolitical person who emphasizes merit and, and value creation over uh, perhaps trendy political perspectives or things like that, uh, I would say is the leader of tomorrow. I mean, I think that doesn't make sense now because so many leaders are caught up in politics, which I don't think they should be. And it's not really, I mean, they're there to because they're good at building businesses. They're there because they're good at creating value for whatever it is that they do. Right. You know, regardless of what, you know, skin color or genitalia is just whatever works for, creating value in that thing that they're doing right and non prejudicially hiring the people who have merit to do so and and uh, i think that that has to be the leader otherwise they're just going to be politicians and i don't think we need more of those
1: yeah yeah no i think you're right it's about it's about value creation you know that's what we need of our leaders and yeah. certainly we need to create the structures and education and support in our education system and our society to support all of us so that again, leaders aren't all white males, um, you know, as you know, certainly, and, you know, how do, how do we find that support, you know, and ultimately each, each organization needs not just a leader, leaders, many, 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 many leaders uh, who really, really make an impact on that organization. And again, that's, that's a, a broad, broad base of all people. So yeah, I, I totally hear that.
0: Yeah, just supporting and promoting competency and, and I would say motivating individuals to feel as though they they should be competent and, and want to be comp- and want to be awarded for being so and and uh, you know building your merit and your experiences based off of that because I mean as you know, there's there's no handouts in this year. You just go. You just go and
1: nope. Well, we we both believe in the results economy. We both believe, again, in in value creation and, you know, powerfully making a difference. You know, don't, don't, you know, uh, before you're the VP, start acting like the VP, you know, start, you know, start, you know, like that's, that's really, that's really what it is. And not only just for what it'll make you, but what it'll make of you, you know, so it's so critical. So, yeah, but yeah, no, and, and certainly we need um, powerful leaders today. The world's facing a lot of crises. You know, Frank, I I so appreciate uh, you coming and spending time with us today and and spending time with us as you're creating a new opportunity. I think it's just so fantastic. And I'm so excited to see what you create and, uh, you know, go Canada, go, you know, that's (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Have a fantastic day. Thanks so much,
0: Frank. You too. Take care now.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.